Are you trying to create a podcast but don't have the money for all the equipment it takes? Maybe not so great with all the editing? Not sure how to distribute your podcast once you have everything recorded? Well, look no further because Anchor is here to help. Anchor is the easiest way to make podcasts. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer or phone. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And best of all, it's free. We looked at so many different distribution websites before finding Anchor and wish we had found it sooner. They even set you up with sponsors they think will fit the vibe of your podcast, which you can accept or decline at any time. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy podcasting! Hey, you want to grab a drink? Hi, Sierra. Hi, Lily. Um, do you know what we're doing crinkle, this crinkle. week? <laughs> crinkle, crinkle. Sorry, I have I have a present here, and it is. Don't look at it. It's crinkling. Okay, continue. Do you know what we're doing this week? What are we doing? Podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I saw what we're here for. <laughs> this is why you're in my garage. Oh, okay, cool. Perfect. I thought I was getting murdered, honestly. <laughs> so, this week I'm going to tell you about the toy box killer. I have a feeling it's not as fun as it sounds. No. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's um, Just a disclaimer, this episode's extremely heavy, graphic. Oh, God. Yeah. Very graphic. <laughs> I'm going to be reading from this tape that David Parker Ray would play his victims. And I'll let everyone know when I get to that point and the worst part of the tape but I'm going to be reading you guys word for word what he says. Not the entire 20 minutes, because that's a lot. Right. But, <laughs> but like, snippets of, like, important information that comes straight from his mouth. Gross. If it's not for you, feel free to skip the episode, or listen with a friend, or if you're like us, drink wine. Drink wine. Safely and responsibly. Right. <laughs> um. So, here's the thing, and you guys are probably going to hear this in... This next upcoming episode that we're posting, which is The Rossum House, we're recording this episode a week later. But in The Rossum House episode, I had mentioned that I don't really drink too often. I like kind of the sweeter mixed drinks, the things that don't taste like alcohol. Like my favorite drink is Arizona green tea mixed with Malibu, the coconut rum. Which sounds weird, but it's honestly really good. It's so good. And it, you can't even taste the rum. You're like, yeah. oh, this is delicious. So because of that, I've been on an endeavor to find a wine that she likes. So we, when we recorded our first episode, we didn't preface that we were trying wine and we didn't record my reaction, but I, do you remember? I didn't you, like it. Yeah, that I didn't like yeah, it. it was, um, Surprise. It was the Barefoot Pink Moscato. Which she th- thought I would like. Because didn't you say it's like basically fruit juice? Yeah, that one's not as sweet as some of theirs, but it's it's a pretty sweet wine. But yeah, it's gonna taste like wine. I, <laughs> I just that's the problem. I can't. 
I can't with like the alcohol e taste. Alcohol e taste. Oh, that... Sorry. Like that Pepsi and rum you made me last night. I was like, oh no, it's Jamie. Oh, it's because it was Captain and not Mel. Yeah, I don't like just straight rum. <laughs> right, um... me either. But... <laughs> Sorry if uh, sorry if my voice sounds a little raspy. I went on a six mile hike today, and I have just been coughing ever since I got right. home. I'm just hungover. <laughs> we're turning into yeah. we're turning into um, morbid. Oh. <laughs> they just talk and talk and talk True. for five minutes. Yeah, we'll probably cut like half of that out. Yeah, it'll be so. Fine. Let's go over this wine I brought you today. Is the Risada Moscato Diasti? Is I think how you pronounce it, and okay. I'm sorry if I butchered that. It's a blue bottle. You can get it like anywhere. It's like ten bucks. <laughs> okay, so do you want to so, taste this before yes. we get started? Let's get like a little clink in here. Cute. <laughs> the little, t- the tiniest little. <laughs> That's good. Okay, so I, I you already okay. I uh, know I like it. This one's not bad. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, okay. I you I like it. It's pretty sweet. We'll mark that as a yes. Yay! Barefoot, no. <laughs> R- uh, Rosada, yes. So, I'm going to tell you about David Parker Ray, who was later deemed the toy box killer. David Parker Ray was born November 6th in 1939. He was born in Belen, New Mexico, to Cecil and Nettie Ray. He grew up poor, living with his parents, his younger sister Peggy, and his aunt. So, right off the bat, David was being sexually abused by his aunt. Great. I didn't find an age for it, but he was very young. Like, very young. His aunt was a masochist that made David perform sexual acts on her when he was just a child. Yeah, this one's, uh, like I said, this one's... Which is, we're really getting into it Yeah, it's super heavy, like, straight off the bat. He was also physically abused. So his dad, Cecil, was an abusive drunk who beat his wife and children and wasn't present for a long time during David's upbringing. Cecil left when David was about 10. And after the divorce, Nettie and Cecil had agreed that their children should go live with their other set of grandparents on their ranch in New Mexico. A little insight into David, he was tall, shy, and awkward. So he had a really hard time fitting in with school and he was bullied because of it. He was a loner. He slipped into bad habits of drugs and alcohol because of his childhood trauma and abandonment. And around this time when he was especially vulnerable, his dad would pop in and out of his life, bringing him porn, uh, nudie magazines, like masochistic, just porn all around. (laughs) Yeah, I I, like... like, Just what a father should be giving his young kid. Right. Hey son, or his I, kid in general. Right. <laughs> hey son, no, I haven't seen in a long time, but here's some porn. Here's some bondage porn. So around this time that his dad was bringing him all of this porn, he started to develop an addiction to sadomasochism and started drawing, like physically drawing pen and paper, his fantasies, like all the stuff that he had in his head, mm-hmm. brought him to life on a piece of paper. And his sister, who is not too much older than him, actually found all of these drawings. And she was like, ooh, I'm going to stay away from you. Right. So after high school, he worked as a mechanic for a little bit before he joined the army, where he was also a mechanic. Okay. He was honorably discharged from the army, and I couldn't find why he was discharged. 
he just, it just said he was honorably discharged. Okay. Um, and he returned to work as a mechanic and also a maintenance man for the state park in New Mexico. That would be Elephant Butte Park. Very lovely. It's, um, it's a lot of mountains, trees, and then it has a really large lake. Very nice. Mm-hmm. A gorgeous place. I actually have got pictures of it. Oh, oh. Or not. <laughs> there we go. So here's one of the pictures of Elephant Butte Lake. Oh, okay. That's pretty. And here's the oh, next wow. one. Oh, yeah. It's it's gorgeous. He was married four times and engaged once. And you'll hear about his fiance throughout this entire thing. Um, because his fiance is the one that kind of helped him oh, ab- no. abduct women. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, and she, she part- sounds wonderful. <laughs> right. And she participated in it, too. Ugh. From those four marriages, he ended up with two children, a son who never spoke to him, and a daughter. Her name was Glenda Jean Ray, but people just called her Jessie. So his daughter actually tried to file a claim with an FBI agent, and his name was Doug Belden. She accused her father of abducting, raping, killing, and selling women to people in Mexico. What? Um... You're going to love this part. So the FBI agent said since they weren't specific claims, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't go and apprehend David. Mm. Was she a witness of this? Like, she's saying she saw all this happen? It just said she accused him. So, I don't know. It's like, what? Because, I mean, if you directly see someone like, I saw George next door shove a girl into his car and murder her, like... That's, you're an eyewitness to that. Right. They have to do something. No, I, I think it was that she just accused him. She believed that he was doing this. And she was right. Well, yeah. I don't know about the I whole... I mean, I don't know where you where you randomly pull a claim like that out of there. Like Right. I don't... Well, and I don't know where she got the selling people to Mexico because I haven't found that anywhere except for her claim. Hmm. So... Well, the other stuff was true. The other stuff is true. He didn't do anything that's insane. I know. After that whole thing, Jesse Ray actually helped her dad kidnap women. Um, It didn't say that she helped torture them, but definitely helped with kidnapping women for her dad. I'm a little confused here, (laughs) Jesse. So first you try to turn him into the FBI, and when they don't do anything, you're like, well, might as well join them. Exactly. Maybe I was like, what? Stop him, join him? <laughs> yeah. That's the wrong that's the wrong mentality to have. Right. I hate that phrase too. If you can't beat him, join him. What? Right, you should never have why that do mentality. We, why do we have to join them. You should never like if you want to stop somebody in, in anything, it doesn't even it doesn't have to be malicious or anything, but if you want somebody to stop what they're doing just in general, you shouldn't be like, Oh, well they're not stopping, so I'm just gonna do it too. Right. That's insane. Yeah. So Jessie Ray was a whole hot mouse herself. She had been exposed to her dad's fantasies at an extremely young age, even though he was also very distant from Jessie, just like his dad was. Mm. But on the flip side, his dad wasn't there because he was a deadbeat drunk. David wasn't there for Jessie because he took on a lot of odd jobs and he worked like two jobs to try and pay for everything. Okay. So he was trying. At least we can say he wanted to try and pay for... He wanted to try and give his daughter a good life, okay? (laughs) So, in the late 80s, early 90s, he met his new fiancé and accomplice, Cindy Hendy. What a name. Right. Cindy also had a troubled childhood. 
She also grew up poor, being raised by an alcoholic bartender. Um, a childhood friend of Cindy's actually said they often went hungry. Mm. Because I, I don't know if the mom just didn't feed them or she didn't have the money. Cindy's mother had an abusive boyfriend as well, who she had witnessed beating her mother more than once. Cindy was also sexually abused and abandoned at a young age. Cindy's mother had gotten married to a different man, and around age 11, he tried to rape Cindy in her bed. Yeah. So when he was confronted about that, he told Cindy's mother that he had been drunk and thought it was the mom. Oh. Excuse me? How do you mistake a grown woman for an 11-year-old? For an 11-year-old girl. Yeah. Okay, you piece of shit. (laughs) Right, exactly. And... Being the five-star mother that she was, she believed the husband and ended up kicking Cindy out at around age 12. Excuse me? 12. Could you imagine for a second, like, your mom just being like, get out at 12. At 12? At 12, yeah. Uh, Which is baffling to me. What? So, after being kicked out by her abusive mother, she turned to a life of cocaine, alcohol, and prostitution. So, fast forward, she had... Met David Ray when she was about 30. Um, she had three children, all from different men, but those children weren't in the picture because she had decided she was giving up on trying to raise these children. She didn't think she was a good mother. So she was like, okay, you're going to go live with your grandparents. Okay. I'm hoping it's not the mother that kicked her out. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where her kids are. I couldn't find anything which on grandparents, her grandparents, though, because... They're three different dads. Well, yeah, and that's what I was thinking, too. I, I was really like, hope she didn't send them back to the mother who kicked her out at 12 years old. Right. And I don't even know about Cindy's dad. Like, there's no mention of Cindy's dad. Well, wasn't he the alcoholic bartender? No, she's the alcoholic bartender. Oh, the mom? The mom's the alcoholic ah, bartender. See, see, see. Yeah. When Ray and Hendy met, they bonded over their mutual passion of sexual urges. Right. <laughs> Right. Did they meet on Tinder? Hi. <laughs> so it's the, like, 90s. Oh, okay. Um, The classified ads. They met on a, a bondageonly.com. <laughs> We're not kink shaming. <clears throat> no, we would never kink shame. No. Unless it's illegal, which I know it's about to be, so. So, yes. So that's a little different. Right. I don't mind, like, making fun of the terrible people. Right. Right. Yeah, we don't kink shame here. Heck no. No. Heck no. <laughs> Heck no. Unless you're Toy Box and, and his fiance. Unless you're torturing people. Like, you have to have willing partners. Right. <laughs> Consent's Consensual. Consent's a whole um, different episode. People that are 18 and above. I like that one. Um, no animals. If you're 18 and above. <laughs> no. They were both masochists and like bondage. Um, discovering their mutual fetish, they had decided to start dating. I actually, I don't know when they started dating because I found conflicting stories saying, oh, they started dating in 1997. They started dating earlier. Mm-hmm. But from my understanding, they met before 1997. There's a whole article online that I, I did not cite because I didn't think any of the information was factual. So this is where I'm going to start to read the tape. If you don't want to listen to this, go ahead and skip forward. He starts off the tape like this. Hello there, bitch. 
Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. Wrist and ankles chained, gagged, probably blindfolded. You are disoriented and scared too, I would imagine. Perfectly normal under the circumstances. Thanks for the reassurance, bud. I wish I could take a picture of your face right now and just post it. (laughs) For a while at least, you need to get your shit together and listen to this tape. It is very relevant to your situation. I'm going to tell you in detail why you've been kidnapped, what's going to happen to you, and how long you'll be here. I don't know the details of your capture because this tape is being created July 23rd, 1993 as a general advisory tape for future female captives. So I'm going to show you another picture. Oh my gosh. It's a general advisory. (laughs) PSA. Let me show you what they actually look like. So that's David Parker Ray once he got arrested. Oh my god. This is Cindy Hendy. Mm-hmm. And that's her mugshot. This is the house right here, right? Mm-hmm. This is the toy box. It's tiny. So they live in kind of like a triple wide trailer. Uh-huh. And they have like... A little shed or something. A little... Sh- yeah, like a shack. What are all those other things? Those are like shipping containers. Um, <laughs> I don't... I honestly don't know. I just know that this is his toy box. Okay. I've actually got another picture. There's another picture of the toy box. It has stairs leading up to it, and it has wheels. I don't like that. No, I don't. And it has an air conditioning on it. Oh, look at... I didn't even notice this. Look at all those locks. Oh my gosh, those are all locks? And that's what it looks like. Holy crap. Yeah. Because that's not suspicious. Right. Like, hey, bro, why you got all those locks on that? Right. That was David Parker Ray and Cindy Hendy. So it goes on like this for a long time. So I won't read the whole thing. I'm just going to skip down to some of the more important parts. Mm-hmm. Important meaning like relevant to the case. He continues to say, If at a future date there are any major changes in our procedures, the tape will be upgraded. Our primary interest is in what you've got between your legs. My lady friend and I have been keeping sex slaves for years. We found it is extremely convenient to keep one or two female captives available constantly to um, satisfy our particular needs. We prefer to snatch girls in the early to mid-teens. I guess I've been doing this too long. I've been raping bitches ever since I was old enough to jerk off. Now I already told you that you're going to be here a month or two, maybe three. I don't like any of that. I'm not okay with it. No, it's... He's so... And he's so graphic and just open about it. Right. Which is... I mean... Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. But, like... Can you imagine hearing that? Right. You're, like, chained up and you you don't know what's going on. You just woke up and... Oh, Jesus. He drugs his victims, too, which I'll get into a little more. He actually says it in the tape. It's... Oh, it's disgusting. He's a disgusting person. Yeah. Both of them disgusting. From the three confirmed victims he had, he only kept them for about three to four days before he let them go. So I honestly, I don't think that he was keeping them for months. Mm -hmm. Because the three victims that came forward that they know of all said, oh, I was there three to four days. Nothing past four. So he was probably just trying to instill fear in them. 100%. Yeah, I think that's what it is. He goes on to say that he kidnaps about four to five girls a year. But again, I I think that's more just based on the confirmed three. I found an article that says he told his fiancée, Cindy, that his first victim was a woman he tied to a tree, tortured, then murdered when he was only 15. Oh my god. 15. This could never be proven because it was just word of mouth, but even if it's just a story, it's 
still pretty frightening. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So the tape continues and says, If I killed every bitch that we kidnapped, there'd be bodies strung all over the country. And besides, I don't like killing a girl unless it's absolutely necessary. So I've devised a safe alternative method of disposal. I had plenty of bitches to practice on over the years, so I've pretty well got it pat down. And I enjoy doing it. I get off on the mind games. So he rambles on and on in the next section, and he explains how he disposes of his victims and explains why the lake he worked at turned up with no bodies. Like, none. Completely none. Okay, did he put bodies in the lake? No. Oh, okay. He put no bodies in the lake, which surprised me because that's the first place I would think to look is Elephant Butte Park. Yeah. So. But he's not killing them. He's killed a few. Okay. Which is what he. he was. Yeah, which is what he says in this next part of the tape. Okay. After we get completely through with you, you're going to be drugged up really heavy with a combination of sodium pentothal and phenobarbital. Those are both hypnotic drugs that will make you extremely susceptible to hypnosis, autohypnosis, and hypnotic suggestions. You're going to be kept drugged a couple of days while I play with your mind. By the time I get through brainwashing you, you're not going to remember a fucking thing about this little adventure. You won't remember this place, us, or what has happened to you. How is he getting sodium pentothal and phenobarbital? That's what I'm wondering. Because and how does he know the dosage? So, sodium pentothal is quote-unquote true serum. Right. So, it makes you extremely malleable. And phenobarbital is a similar, like, barbiturate, but... Isn't... Where's he getting that from? I... No, I have no clue. It's weird, but I'm wondering... <laughs> where he's getting the drugs. Right. No, I'm wondering where he gets all of this, because... Again, he's a mechanic, and then he works as a, like, maintenance guy at Elephant Butte Park. Yeah. Mm. I don't think you can just get those on the street. I mean, well, you could probably buy them, like, on the street from a drug dealer, but... I know you can buy morphine on the street. Yeah. But, like... So, maybe. Because I'm like, you can't just go get that stuff. No. Last time I tried This next section is the heaviest part of the tape, believe it or not. So, if you don't want to listen to it, I would skip this part. This is the part of the tape where he describes the inside of the toy box. He goes on to say, The hidden playroom where you're going to be kept has steel walls, floor, and ceiling. It is virtually soundproof and has a steel door with two keyed locks. The hinges are welded on and there are two heavy deadbolts on the outside. So I believe those are all the things that we saw in the picture. Yeah. Which we'll post on the Instagram and Facebook. He continues by saying, There's a closed-circuit television system with a surveillance camera, and it's wired to the main TV in the living room, so we can check on you once in a while. Or just sit and watch you for the fun of it. Also, we have a couple real close friends that we party with once in a while. They know about our hang-ups and don't have a problem fucking a slave. Not only are his friends okay with this, but they participate. Where does he find Where, these friends? That's what I'm wondering. Like, I'm Where does amazed. he find these people? I'm shocked by the fact that everybody's so complicit in this. Are, like, fucked up people like that just drawn to each other? They or? might be. I don't know. I've seen cases like this, like, an astounding amount of cases where it's, like, couples attacking people. I'm like, how do you... There's a whole show. You, yeah, how do you find two people... Yeah. ...that they're like, oh, you want to do that? Cool, let's do it. There's an entire show. Isn't it called Killer Couples? Yeah, there's yeah. a... That's insane. Oh, yeah. 
This is the worst part, though, and this is the part that grossed me out to no end. I don't even already. He uh, he goes on to say that he also has some sort of dog pheromones that he would rub on the victim's back so his dogs would go after them. Oh. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he also goes on to describe his dog's penises in great detail and tells the victims how each dog likes to have sex. Oh my fucking god. Isn't that fucking I'm not disgusting? Okay. I don't like any of that. That's so... What? In the tape, he like explicitly says, he's like, oh, my dog's dick looks like this. Oh my fucking god. It's so gross. He also mentions the fact that he and Cindy Hendy require their victims to only speak when spoken to. The reply is needed to be, yes, master, no master. Yes, mistress, no mistress. Also, if they had to go to the bathroom, they had to say, bathroom master, bathroom mistress. And then they would respond with, what do you need to do? And they would say, pee or poop. Oh my god. Master, mistress. They had like a whole system worked out. They had a whole set of rules. A whole ass set of rules. That's insane. Yeah. He actually said... That he has these rules in place, or he had these rules in place, because he was tired of victims trying to argue with him. So you know how, like, you see in movies oh, I'm when... I'm sorry, are you inconvenienced by their arguing? Right. Well, but you know how you see in, in, in scary movies where they get captured and they're like, no, please just let me go, I'll give you whatever you want. Mm. He said, I used to listen to it, I don't anymore. They're also so high out of their minds, how are they even gonna argue anymore? Like, I don't know if he was drugging them in the original system or whatever i have no i have no clue i don't know because i mean you're hopped up on that much drugs it's uh, where's my wine so it really puts the amount of time he spent doing all of this into perspective like just how thought out and like all the rules that he has this is a 20 minute tape that's insane yeah I'm just gonna say that a lot if you haven't it's, already figured that out it's insane <laughs> it's insane i'm not comprehending over here good lord he uh, he also says that he doesn't like to enforce brutality in a punishment form. So if you broke his rules, he was going to punish you, but he didn't like to do it. He said, uh, 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 <laughs> "Yeah, I'm like really I've got guy. questions." <laughs> he said, "If you don't give us any trouble, we won't do any more to your body than is necessary to satisfy our sexual needs." So if you caught what I said earlier, David and Cindy had said they kept multiple girls at once. And basically what they had said in the tape was if they had a girl in captivity and they were bringing in a new girl, they would focus all of their time on the new girl and only some to the to the one that had already been there for a while. Mm-hmm. They said, we're going to focus on you and basically train you into this routine that we have for the girls that we keep. Uh-huh. And then they said after a few days, you know... They do all this in a couple of days. They, like, the first day, it says that he trains them, you know, shows them the rules. And the first day, they're kind of lenient on the rules because they're nice people like that. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He does, he does some weird things where it's, where it's like, oh, because I'm a nice guy and I'm going to pretend to care about you. And you're like, why, why are you doing this if you're torturing them? Once they got into the routine, they would only be visited for short periods of time. I put that in quotes for the people listening. Here's what he had to say about that. We'll only be spending three to four hours each day in the playroom. 
You're going to have a lot of free time to rest, sleep, watch TV, or whatever. He went on to explain how they would use their new slaves for anal, fellatio for both Cindy and David, and how the victims would be naked and spread pretty much all day. Mm -mm. They're fucking disgusting. I can't say that enough. They're fucking disgusting. I am very upset. Yeah. Just the look of disgust on your face. (laughs) I don't like that image in my head at all. No. He explained how they would want things multiple times a day, and if the captive didn't listen, they would be punished. The tape is quoted saying, The playroom is equipped with a full set of surgical instruments, which I have had occasion to use and will again, as necessary. I've already told you what'll happen if you bite. He uh, he said earlier in the tape he would cut off their nipples. Oh my fucking god. And then it says, To be completely safe here, you have to be docile. If you should accidentally or otherwise hurt, scratch, or kick either one of us, you could be in very serious trouble. I'm sure that you want to survive this experience, and I want you to also. Fuck you, you want them to survive. Like, what? This has to be fake sympathy. Like, it has to be. Yeah, Yeah. it's just he said he likes the mind games. So if you haven't yet thought that he's a monster, Mm. I have more disgusting facts about his routine. Uh, Whenever he picked a new woman up, they had a questionnaire that they would fill out, basically, or he would ask them questions and he'd fill it out. But from what I gathered from the tapes, he would have, like, paper. Mm -hmm. Um, And it had questions like, how many sexual partners have you had? Childbirths? Or do you have any sexual preferences? Like, that mattered. Um, And any medication, which is what I said earlier, because he would go, say I needed anxiety medicine... He would go get me anxiety medicine. What? Yeah. And I was like, where do you get like, or if somebody was diabetic, I was like, where did you get all of this? Yeah. He would make sure his captives were fed and had their medications. Well, it makes sense in a horrible way because he wants to keep them alive, alive. and healthy so he can do stuff. Yeah. Ugh, good lord. Also, dietary restrictions. He would cater to their dietary restrictions. But Don't he, want your victims going into anaphylactic shock. <laughs> right. He, no, he seriously, like, he would not feed them very often, but he would feed them. Yeah. And I was like, that's crazy, because normally you hear about... They're starved and beaten. Exactly. And who cares if you have asthma? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. He also mentions, before the end of the tape, uh, what he does with his victims. Before he let his victims go, he drugged them... Hosed them down inside and outside. Uh, So there was no DNA evidence. He would make sure they were completely clean. And then he drove them to the middle of nowhere and let them go. This is how he ended his 20-minute tape. Well... uh, Were they naked? Oh, yeah. They were naked. Oh, my God. Well, and that's another thing. He would collect, like, pieces of their clothing, their jewelry, whatever, but they would be naked. So he ended his tape by saying this. Well, I believe I've told you about everything that I can. I cannot predict the future. I can't predict changes to procedure. But if this tape is being played for you, I have to assume that it is still reasonably accurate. I can only give you advice. Be smart and be a survivor. Don't ever scream. Don't talk without permission. Be very quiet. Be docile and obedient. And by all means, show proper respect. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. Oh my fucking god. What a piece of shit. I can't say that enough. What a piece of shit. He's acting like it's some, like, training video, like, when you go to work. Or like a resort. He's acting like it's a fucking resort. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. 
here's the procedures that we follow here. Right. For your, enjoy your stay. Let us know if you have any dietary restrictions. Literally it does. It sounds like a resort, resort. or a cruise or something. You're going to have so much free time. He makes it sound like it's a fucking vacation. So I'm going to move on to the reason how they got caught. And her name is Cynthia Vigil. She was 22 at the time that she had met David in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She was working as a sex worker when David had approached her and solicited oral sex from her. And at this time, he was driving around an RV. Mm -hmm. Um, So he said, hey, come back to my RV. This is where we'll, you know, do our exchange. Uh, Once inside the RV, he flashed a fake police badge and put handcuffs on her. Oh, my God. So she knew right away. You always have that gut feeling, Mm -hmm. too. At this time, Cindy had come out from where she was hiding in the RV Um, helped gag, restrain, and drug Cynthia. So while she was drugged, they drove about an hour until they got back to the toy box in Elephant Butte, where she had been chained to a bedpost and played the tape, Mm -mm. which I had just read snippets of. No, no. Uh, She escaped from the toy box on March 22nd, 1999, and she had been tortured for three days before David thought she was too exhausted to struggle. So he left the keys to Cynthia's locks on a table in the toy box. She had noticed these while Cindy was down there. And when Cindy went to go take a phone call, Cynthia, like, jumped into action. Heck yeah, girl. Yeah, she was a fighter. She still is a fighter. Frick yeah. Yeah, so she jumped into action, and as she was trying to get these locks off, Cindy came back. Oh, shit. And so she kind of stopped, and Cindy saw the keys were missing. (laughs) And so Cindy went and attacked Cynthia. Um, I believe I read somewhere that Cindy took a, a lamp. And broke it over her head. Okay. Yeah. It was around this time where Cynthia finally got her locks off, grabbed an ice pick, and stabbed the neck. Fuck yeah, Cynthia. Yes. You're a bad bitch. She was a badass. That's fucking awesome. An ice pick. Heck yeah. I oh. Want to know. <laughs> I didn't even show you pictures of the toy box. Let me show you. So, actually, this is Cynthia. There she is. Oh. She did an A and E documentary. I- Love Annie documentaries. I do too. Oh, shout out to Annie. That's the FBI taking the toy box away. No. So this is the inside of the toy box. Mm. One of the pictures. He has a blood pressure cuff. Um, with some other things. That's a stethoscope. So there is medical equipment in here. He's got like some sanitary, um, like wipes. (laughs) Trying to see what else. That says baby oil on it. No. I like this decoration. (laughs) Yeah, and then he's got a really nice, like, plug-in skull three-candled lamp. I I don't know. A really nice. (laughs) Yeah, really nice addition. Here's his little nudie magazines and his nice... I have that same sign. You really have the same sign? Oh my god, I was like, you're kidding me. It's a sign that says Satan's Den. I was like, you're kidding. And look, there's like a a CV radio. Yeah. Which is weird that he kept that in the toy box because you feel like... Because they were on chains. They weren't, like, chained down the entire day. Maybe like, he's using it when he's in there? Maybe. But they had, like... So his captives had a collar on, and on the collar they would be chained, and the chain was, like, X amount of feet long or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if it was this was just right out of hand's reach, but crazy that that was even know, in there. That's weird. Here's another picture... Mm-mm. Nope. No. I think that's the gynecological chair. Oh, yeah, because there's where you put your feet. I don't like that. There's a stove. 
oven mitts. That's where you. Oh god. Oh god. I don't know why there's a stove in there. Like it. It's literally just a. Just cooked in there. But it. But it's a trailer. Like it's. It's a. It's not even a trailer. It's like a little. Well, it is a trailer. It's like a trailer, like a storage trailer. A storage trailer, exactly. It's not a house. Um, there's like this little strap up here. So I don't like any of that. He also self-made torture devices. <laughs> so this is one where he took like a motor and he attached a giant dildo to it. Oh. No, no, no. We've got clamps. That's an open tampon. <laughs> what? And do you see the box of Tampax back here? I just noticed that. There's the pills. I just had a horrible thought of like, what if he kidnaps someone on their period? I guess he doesn't care. He's torturing them. Right, exactly. Oh. Um, and then these are actually oh, no. like drawings he made of devices. So this is something that he used often, and it was, oh my god, it was something that attached to a pole that was inside of the victim, and it would electrocute them. Oh what? Yeah, it would electrocute them. Holy fucking shit. I'm very upset at the moment. So she got out. She gets away and she runs down the street. And in Elephant Butte, the houses are kind of further apart. Mm -hmm. She runs bloody and naked with this giant metal collar still hanging on her to a neighbor's trailer where an elderly couple lived. So they brought her inside, got her a robe, and called the police. Good. Good on them. When the police showed up, they took her statement, which included how she was captured who took her because they used their real names. They didn't think anyone was going to remember where they were keeping her, the tape and all the devices they used to torture her for three days. When David and Cindy got arrested, they were driving around looking for Cynthia and Cindy's still like bleeding. She's covered in blood. She's been stabbed with an ice pick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's covered in blood, but they're like, we need to find her because they want to get her back so they don't get caught. Right. When they were brought in for questioning, they had said Cynthia was a heroin addict that they were trying to help sober up. Right. With a metal collar? Why is she naked? Why is she bloody and, and naked? naked? And has a giant metal collar. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's a real weird way of sobering somebody up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the police didn't believe this. They're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, that doesn't exactly track. Right. The police went to search the house, just the main house, which was that triple wide. They found the tape and I believe they found a few chains for when they threw the parties and they had their friends come over and their dogs and whatever. Mm -hmm. They found the real horror, which I just showed you the pictures, when they searched the toy box out back. Police had found whips, restraints, pulleys, sex toys, and videotapes of the couple torturing another woman. Oh my god. So after police found this, they were officially charged with multiple accounts of kidnap and torture. Their bail was set at a million dollars each. Freaking. Which good on them. While police were conducting the investigation, they found evidence that they had more victims and more than just Cindy and David participating in these horrific acts. This is where law enforcement believed that Ray was most likely a serial killer, just based on stuff that they had found in the trailer. So after Cynthia's story went public, another victim had come forward. Her name was Angelica Montano, who unfortunately passed before she could testify against Cindy and David. Angelica said she had actually made a police report years before when she was dropped off in the desert and no one had followed up. The cops just didn't believe her story. What the fuck? This is this is where it gets crazy, though. In those tapes, police identified a third victim um, by a distinctive tattoo she had on her ankle. 
Her name is Kelly Garrett, and she was living in Colorado when police tracked her down. Uh, Before Kelly was captured, she was a newlywed and went out to a bar with her friend, Jesse Ray. No. Yeah. This is a Jesse one. No. So Jesse had drugged her and then hit her over the head when she started to struggle. She was brought back to the toy box where she was tortured and raped for three days until she was drugged and left for dead on the side of the road near her in-law's house. Kelly had actually gotten to a fight with her husband the night before she went out to go drinking. Mm-hmm. And that's when she met up with Jesse Ray. Okay. And so what I think is the in-laws were like, oh no, you just got into a fight. You didn't want to be around your husband. Yada yada. Didn't she show up naked too? That one I'm not sure of. I think she she did. So when she got back home to Colorado, her in-laws had thought that she had just gone on a binging weekend spree mm-hmm. where she binged on drugs and alcohol. Oh my gosh. I don't know if she was known to do that or what, but her in-laws immediately didn't believe her and asked her to leave. They were like, leave my house, go back to your husband in Colorado. What yeah. the hell? After she had returned home, she had started to remember small details over the years, but she still suffered from amnesia Mm. because of all the drugs that they gave her. Okay. Going back to the arrest, Cindy had almost immediately tried to bargain with police to give them more information on David to get her sentence reduced. Fuck you, Cindy. (laughs) Fuck you, Cindy. She told them about 14 murders that Ray said he committed, where he hid the bodies, and extra methods of torture they used on their victims. Those included a mirror above the gynecological table, so their victims had to watch what was being done to them. Oh my god. Yep. A wooden contraption that forced them into a position on their hands and knees for when they had the parties in their house. And Cindy also gave them the names of their accomplices. Cindy had said, Dennis Yancey, participated in a murder that David Ray had committed. Police brought him in for questioning, and he admitted he was present when David and his daughter kidnapped a victim, brought her back to the toy box, and raped and tortured her for three days. Yancey also claims that David threatened him and said, if you don't kill this victim with a rope, as he strangled the victim, um, I'm gonna kill you. And so David Yancey obliged. Police also tried to contact Jesse Ray, who had denied any involvement. What the hell? So they all obviously went to prison. Right. Let me just, I'm going to start with kind of the lesser sentencings, which still make me mad, but I, I get why they're less, like they're less years. Okay. Yancey received two 15-year sentences for second-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. Mm-hmm. So that's 30 years. Mm-hmm. Jesse Ray was sentenced to nine years, six of which could be served on parole. What? For what? For being an accomplice, right? For being an accomplice, yeah. Um, it says she was found guilty of kidnapping women, women for sexual torture. Nine years? Nine years. Six of which can be served on parole. Cindy Hendy was sentenced to 36 years because of the plea deal and her testimony in court against David Ray. Okay. I wish she had gotten more. For David Ray, he was charged separately for all three confirmed victims, yeah. Kelly, Cynthia, and Angelica. Kelly Garrett's trial was, was first, but was deemed a mistrial and had to be retried. The retrial ended in conviction of all 12 counts, which included kidnapping, aggravated battery, and conspiracy. Angelica passed away before her trial, so there was no conviction mm. for her. 
But during Cynthia's trial, Ray took a plea bargain, which sentenced him to 224 years in prison in 2001. That's a good plea bargain there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I want to know what he would have gotten, like, without the plea deal. (laughs) Right, because what's it matter anyways? Why do you even take a plea? Oh, exactly. Oh, you're going to be pissed. Oh, well, he probably... Yeah. You're gonna be pi- you're gonna be pissed. Just just hold on. Oh great. He agreed to tell police everything he had done and where the bodies were as part of his deal. But on his way to the interrogation, he had a heart attack and died. What? Yeah, he had a heart attack what? and died. He only served six months of his sentence. I'm leaving Earth. I was pissed when I found this out. I was <sighs> like, he did all this for like years <clears throat> and he only served Sorry, six Robert. months. He only served six months. a heart attack. On his way to confess to everything he had done. I'm fucking pissed. All the murders, all the tortures, where the bodies were. And that's the weird thing. They never found any bodies at the bottom of Elephant Butte Lake. Mm, Is that why he said that he had put them? No. But that's the first place I would check. Because he worked there. They found nothing. They got nothing. So nothing but, from Cindy. They couldn't get anything from Cindy. No. Anything else? She just didn't know. Or she just didn't say. I don't know. I'm not sure. So a fucking heart attack. Okay, but something good did come out of that. Before he did pass away, he confessed to ten murders and forty kidnappings. Okay. Here's the fucked up part, though. When asked why he committed such horrible crimes, Ray told investigators, I like the lifestyle. I like bondage and discipline. And there's a couple of million people in the U.S. who like the same thing, according to statistics that I've read. And um, I'm just more flamboyant with it than most people are. Most people keep it in the closet. Mm, Okay, what? He told (laughs) that to investigators. He was like, yeah, I like it. I just did it because you, I like so it. So, yeah, you're right. There are a couple million people on the planet who are into BDSM as well. So go find one of them and have a consensual bondage relationship. Nope. And you don't have to keep in the closet. I have plenty of friends who are into it, and they're very open about it. But they have consenting partners. You sick bastard. I'm consent, so pissed. Consent, consent, consenting, consenting, consenting. <laughs> Legal consenting adults. Fast forward to today. And there, are, there are plenty of people who are into some extreme shit, too. Yeah. So, screw you. You're full of shit. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so, I hate everything about that. So, fast forwarding to today, Cindy Hendy was released in 2019. No. Yeah. She had served her years in prison. She's out right now? She's out right She's now. She's out rolling around the world? She's walking around. Fuck that. I don't know if she's still Cindy Hendy, but I would have changed my name. (laughs) She was released in 2019. Jessie Ray served her three years and then six during parole. So she served her sentence. Dennis Yancey was released, but shortly after was picked up again for drug charges. So see, he's still in prison as far as I can tell. (laughs) So the only good thing that came out of this whole situation was Cynthia's foundation. She had publicly spoken out in 2011 about the terrors that had happened to her. In this speech, she said, please, you guys, come forward. This man is very sick and these families need closure. The FBI, still to this day on their website, has an entire file where they had documented thousands 
of clothing items, jewelry that had belonged to his victims that they found in his toy box. And they are still taking tips. Thousands of items of clothing? Yeah. It's like clothing, jewelry, um, and just other little trophies he'd collected. They released a photo of a woman from a fake driver's license they found in the toy box, along with photos of jewelry and clothing, which is still on their website. They're hoping to find more victims or families of victims to confirm kills and kidnappings he had confessed to. In 2010, Cynthia and Christine Barber founded Street Safe New Mexico. It's a volunteer nonprofit that provides support to women living on the streets who struggle with homelessness and addiction. They also work with victims of human trafficking. They work on the streets with these women, passing out non-lethal weapons for free so they can defend themselves. I love that. Cynthia That's turned amazing. Yes, Cynthia turned into a straight-up badass. Let me show you her I, website. Cynthia, I love you. Let me show you. So this is the main page. Oh, I already, I love the setup. The, yeah, <laughs> we'll take a screenshot and share it, but. Yeah, we'll definitely link the website. So it has things like women homeless on the street, women selling sex on the street, um, women addicted on the street, all these tabs. Oh, they have a women's uh, missing. Missing. Trafficking. Women murdered. Women overcoming the street, so those are like success stories. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And women attacked on the street. Oh my god. Women attacked on the street. So this bad guy list started in 2008 and is still updated. The last time they updated it was August 30th. Oh my gosh, I have chills. Yes. I don't. Oh my god. So like literally lists it like dark green minivan, two yes. young white boys. Trying oh, to show look at this one. Oh Internet date named Raul. Mid 40s, possibly from Arizona. <gasps> Oh, we gotta go. Gotta get out of here. Does dates at a hotel near the airport. Oh my gosh. Hi, don't, if you're in Arizona, it doesn't say which airport. It doesn't (laughs) say which airport either. That's amazing. They just put everything on here, like. Yep. Yeah. Um, This one, serial rapist attacks women who walk by. Who walk, don't walk by anybody. Right. Like, just look at, they describe... I like that they leave them all hard. up, too, From the neighborhood. Yeah, because all these people could Bro, still be on the prowl. I would sit here and read this whole thing and be terrified of everything. Oh, it's terrible. On-foot attack, on-foot attack, multiple reports. Uses multiple cars. Like, she... She has so much... I have so much anxiety already. I'd be like... Every green minivan I see now, I'd be like, is that the green minivan? Well, she <laughs> has so, so many... Um, just so many descriptions and this is all for new mexico i don't know if the, i don't think this is for other states do but this in every state that's what i'm thinking they even have a little donate button which yeah, i thought I'm was like, cool do do part of this yeah oh the salon oh that's cute i love this go check out this that's website amazing it's uh streetsafenewmexico.org yes cynthia you're amazing can you ever here's this episode if you have any information on his victims or want to look at the jewelry that was found in the toy box, please go to the FBI's website, www.fbi.gov, or call 505-889-1300. Is that it? That's it. Damn. Uh, so what did you think? Thoughts. Thoughts. None of them ones I liked. Mm. I hate that. I hate everything about all of that. Yeah, he... Uh, a fucking heart attack. <sighs> a fucking heart attack. That makes me sick. 
Yeah. And Cindy's out just roaming around the world. Cindy's out doing her thing. Cindy, you better be doing absolutely nothing at all. Sit on your couch and don't go out. <laughs> I'm threatening, so I'm coming for you, Cindy. I would have jumped off a cliff. Be fucking, <laughs> fucking Cindy. She clearly, but she don't give a shit. I don't know. That's that is scary to me. But there's a lot of people like that too. They're like out and about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because you don't ever think it's gonna happen to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I was gonna say, have you ever had somebody try and be like, "Come here, girl." Um. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, the Kmart story. My what? friends and I referenced this. Oh. So, it's a really funny story. Um, now. <laughs> it, it wasn't really, it, yeah, oh my god. Um, and, and my friends listening to this will laugh because we make this joke now. It's like, I'll follow you to Kmart. Oh. I'll explain that. Oh. So, if, did I tell you this story? Yes. So, yeah, I was driving. And this story ruined thrift shop by Macklemore for me. Because I was driving on the freeway, I got off at the, at the exit, had my windows down, and I was like, um, I was singing to the thrift shop, and I was like jamming out. How old were you? Uh, I think I was like 18 at the time, 17, 18. Okay, so like yeah. four, four or five years Yeah. Ago. And um, I look over, this other guy had his window down, and he like looks at me, and he does like the like, call me sign with his finger, and no. like, because he's like, the what's up girl nod. No. And I was like... <laughs> and I like laughed and I turned my radio down because I was like blasting it, you know. And then I was getting off, I was going to Kmart to pick something up that I had ordered. And so I pull into Kmart and I park and get out of my car and I see his car pull around and he's like, hey girl, hey girl. And no. I was like, fuck no. I like picked up my phone, I called my cousin and I just continued walking into Kmart. You're like, absolutely not. Yeah, so ruined their shot. <laughs> and it was scary. That's terrible. That's like our joke now, but like, hey mama, I'll follow you to Kmart. <laughs> Oh my god. That man tried to kidnap me. And he was probably 40. Oh. Yeah. I was like, oh no, no, no. No. (laughs) He had a nice Cadillac though. I'll give him that. Can we, before I end this episode, can we just say thank you to our 30 listeners and our our one listener in Ireland who is sticking with us because we're still trying to get our footing and so our first couple episodes are going to be a little rough. Yeah, I know that they're a little weird if you listened to the Kitty Genevieve's episode. I'm sorry I sounded like I was on speed. <laughs> I talk very fast and I will fix that. <laughs> I'm over you. Okay, this episode's over. Yeah, it's over. Robert hates us. Alright, well, that was our episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Sorry it was so heavy and dark. Yeah, this one was a little crazy. Um, but I... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I like to cover more of the heavy stuff, though. It's interesting. I mean, I it like is. the psychology aspect of true crime, so mm-hmm. listening to those cases, I'm like, how does someone's brain do that? How do they, like, come up with ideas and think that that's okay? Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Be safe out there. Don't um, get in a stranger's RVs. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Um, take a self-defense class. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Morbidly Intoxicated is hosted by Lily Bishop and Sarah Lawson. Recording and production by Robert Shepard. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Morbidly Intoxicated Pod for updates and photos from the cases we cover. If you liked our show, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Theme music was written by Taylor Hertz. His website is Taylor Hertz, spelled T-A-Y-L-O-R, 
H-E-R-T-Z dot com. Artwork was done by Kelly Carroll, who you can find on Instagram at artbykelly, Kelly spelled K-E-L-L-I. Photos done by Javi Romero. His Instagram is at orangehobby. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another episode of Morbidly Intoxicated. <laughs>